ETL Echo presents Stars and Scars by Annie Aria. Chapter 1 Hermione Jean Granger had been born at 10.23 in the morning after a quick and easy labor to a delighted Jean Granger. This mid-morning birth time was the reason Hermione wouldn't see the marks on her ribs until much later that day. Instead, she spent most of her 21st birthday completely unaware of the way her life was about to change. She woke up and went through her usual morning routine, feeding Crookshanks, showering, getting dressed for work, and eating a quick breakfast in her kitchen with the daily profit open on the table, trying to ignore the ache in her heart at the absence of a birthday card from her parents. The healers in Australia were making good progress in reversing Hermione's obliviation of them, but it could be years yet before the Grangers remembered who they really were, let alone that they had a daughter. Hermione had her other family, though, the friends she had learned magic alongside, had fought in the war with. She smiled as Pigwidgeon collided with her window and dazedly hopped onto her windowsill, squawking excitedly, and let the tiny owl in. She untied the parcel he was carrying and offered him some owl treats and water before he zoomed off again into the sky. The parcel was haphazardly wrapped in red paper, decorated with lions, and Hermione carefully unwrapped it. Inside, she found a new journal bound in dragon leather and an eagle owl quill pen with a silver nib. She opened up the journal and found a card tucked inside, Ron's messy scrawl all over it. Happy birthday, Miney. I know you needed a new journal, and Charlie made this one. All the dragonologists in Romania have one. The leather is harvested once a dragon dies from natural causes on the reserve, so it's cruelty-free, taught you to prove. Lots of love, Ron. It had been three years since she and Ron had broken up, just as she'd returned to Hogwarts to finish her newts. Ron was still one of her best friends, of course. Not even an unsuccessful two-month love affair could destroy the bond between them. He was waiting by her desk when she got to work that morning, standing side by side with her other best friend. Harry smiled at her, his green eyes sparkling, and gave her a lingering kiss to the cheek as he wished her a happy birthday. His touch, as always, left her skin tingling, even after Ron enveloped her in a bear hug. We're still on for birthday lunch, aren't we? Ron said, while Hermione hung her robes on the hook by her door and sifted through the parchment and memos on her desk. Of course, she agreed absent-mindedly. And then the leaky cauldron after work for drinks with everyone else. She caught a movement from the corner of her eye and saw Harry giving a furtive glance at the old watch of Fabian Pruitt he still wore every day on his wrist. Harry had filled out since the war, shooting up several more inches and adding a very aesthetically pleasing broadness to his chest and thighs. He caught her eye, and Hermione looked away guiltily, feeling a telltale blush rise on her cheeks. Merlin, she thought to herself, stop ogling Harry. Sure, he was as handsome as ever, but that didn't give her permission to drool over someone who saw her as a sister. It's time for the daily briefing, Harry said now, a touch apologetically. He took his duties as head orer seriously, just like he had when he headed up the DA back at Hogwarts. Hermione smiled and abandoned her paperwork, walking around her desk and in between the two of her friends. Of course, come on, she said with forced cheerfulness. Ron and Harry followed her, and she stood next to Ron as Harry gave the DMLE's daily briefing. Hermione returned to her desk afterwards, slowly, accosted on all sides by Aurors wishing her happy birthday. It always made her smile to see how many of the D.A. had ended up in the D.M.L.E. under Harry's watch. Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas, already married and quite possibly the most accident-prone Auror pair the D.M.L.E. had ever seen, ambushed her from both sides, hugging her and giving her a bottle of sparkling elf-made wine and a bouquet of flowers. Neville Longbottom? gave her a new potted plant for her desk, for once, one that just made the room smell nice rather than having a highly specific use. Padmet Patil, 
one of the few non-aurors in the department besides Hermione, gave her a book and a caddy of new tea to try. Even Draco Malfoy gave her a short nod from across the room, his silver eyes as guarded as ever. Hermione finally got back to her desk and allowed herself a small smile before she started on her workload for the morning. Three years had passed since the war, and Hermione Granger was feeling pretty good about life. Lunch was a relaxed affair. Harry took them to a new little cafe he'd found on Horizont Alley, and he, Ron, and Hermione spent a little longer than usual away from their desks, enjoying each other's company and reminiscing about old times. They eventually returned to the ministry. Ron and Harry were due to interview an old pure-blood witch about a stolen family heirloom, and left the building while Hermione slid behind her desk, determined to finish her work so she could leave for her birthday celebrations on time that evening without feeling guilty. She'd been steadily working for several hours when the door to her office opened. Draco Malfoy walked in, dark blue of his aura robes, setting off the cool silver of his eyes and the alabaster of his skin. He'd filled out as nicely as Harry had since school. No longer could Hermione describe him as pointy, even at her most uncharitable. Instead, he'd grown into his excellent bone structure, his jawline and cheekbones sharp and elegant, his body tall and lithe and strong. Whereas Harry had developed more of a keeper's or a beater's bearing, all muscles and breadth and threat, Draco had become the quintessential seeker, graceful, quick, and light on his feet. Draco arched his eyebrow in the same imperious manner as always, however, and his signature smirk was firmly in place. He dropped a beautifully wrapped present on the table with a thump. Malfoy, what? Don't get excited, Granger. Malfoy drawled, taking a step back. It's less of a gift, more of a donation. It's been in our library at the manor for decades, and I'm sure no one has read it since it was new. Hermione's pulse started to race with excitement. As much as she wouldn't want to set foot in Malfoy Manor again, the thought of being let loose in their library wasn't another thing entirely. She went to open the present, and Malfoy, clearly not wanting to stay, backed away. Happy birthday, Granger, he said his voice unusually soft for a moment. I'll see you at the pub for drinks after work. He spun dramatically on his heel and was gone. Hermione watched the empty space where he had been standing for a moment, then, with a shrug, turned back to the present. When she ripped away the paper, she gasped in surprise, carefully opening the front cover to the book to confirm her suspicions. A pristine first edition of Hogwarts A History, signed by Batilda Bagshot herself. Clutching the priceless gift to her chest, Hermione ran out after Draco, but his long legs had already taken him across the aura bullpen, his robe swishing as he disappeared through the door into the ministry beyond. Instead of following him, Hermione hesitated in her doorway for a few moments, until she noticed Angelina Johnson giving her a concerned look. Throwing a smile at Angelina, Hermione retreated to her office. It wasn't as if she and Malfoy weren't friends. He regularly came along to after-work drinks with them. They ate lunch together about once a month, and for Harry's birthday over the summer, he'd even braved a visit to the borough for the celebrations. Hermione had surreptitiously watched him spend most of that day playing with his cousin, Teddy Lupin, until the boy was so enamored with his previously estranged uncle that he turned his turquoise hair platinum blonde for the next four weeks. Still, it was a big step between casual friend and friend who gave priceless first editions as birthday presents. With a wave of her wand, Hermione shrunk the book down so she could slip it safely into her handbag, before turning back to the pile of paperwork on her desk. When five in the afternoon rolled around, Padma stuck her head through the door and gave Hermione a dazzling smile. Ready for the pub? she asked as Hermione closed her final case file. Sure, Hermione replied, getting to her feet and reaching for her robes. We've got a DOM meeting on Monday. Did you get the memo? Padma added as they walked out of Hermione's office and Hermione locked behind her. I did, thanks, she said. 
checking in her bag to make sure her book was still safe. It'll be good catching up with the other unspeakables, see what's going on down there. Hermione and Padma had been good friends for a couple of years now, ever since they had gone through their unspeakable training together. Soon after qualifying, their respective specialties had made them invaluable to the DMLE. They continued working together while seconded to the department, helping the Aurors with their missions. Reaching the bullpen, Hermione and Padma collected a number of Aurors on their way to the Leaky Cauldron. Harry and Ron were still missing, stuck interviewing the old witch, no doubt, and Malfoy hadn't reappeared since giving Hermione her present earlier in the afternoon. Padma bought Hermione's first drink, and they and the Aurors claimed the enormous table in the middle of the pub as their own. It was several hours later, Hermione already merry from the wine, Padma giggling into her shoulder, when Harry and Ron finally arrived. They bought another bottle of wine and poured her a glass, Ron sitting on Padma's other side as Harry squeezed in next to Hermione. Padma and Ron started chatting, and Harry raised his glass to Hermione, clinking the rim of hers. Having a good evening? Harry asked cheerfully, and she nodded. Harry looked over the pub as he took a drink of his wine, casually entwining his fingers with hers on the table. Hermione tried not to get too excited by the touch of his skin against hers, the easy display of affection, even as she felt a tingle run up her fingers and along her arm. They kissed, she and Harry, just once, a few months after she and Ron had broken up, while Harry was still dating Ginny. It had been Christmas time, after a night of drinks very like this one, and they'd walked out into Diagon Alley, with the snow floating softly to earth and the night sky crisp and cold. Hermione had been shivering, and Harry wrapped his own scarf around her neck. As he tucked the ends away into her coat, his green eyes had met hers, and before Hermione had time to process what was happening, they were kissing under the muted light of the street lamps. It had only lasted a moment, and then they had guiltily sprung apart and never spoken of it again. Hermione still thought about it, though. Whenever Harry's green eyes lingered on hers, or his fingers brushed her skin, or he smiled at her from across the room, or his thigh pressed a little too close to hers when they sat next to each other. She remembered the fleeting feel of his lips on hers, of being in his arms. And she thought about it now, as Harry held her hand and drank his wine, and breathed deeply to calm herself. Really, she'd had too much wine to be dealing with confusing thoughts about her best friend right now. I thought Malfoy was coming tonight, Harry said, bringing her back to the present, his eyes searching the room. He's supposed to be, Hermione replied. Great, another thing to try and keep from thinking about. Her heart gave a little flutter as she thought a bit too long about Malfoy's smirking lips and the generous, perfect present he had given her. As if summoned by the combined thoughts of Harry and Hermione, Draco Malfoy chose that moment to stride through the door to the leaky cauldron. Cool, gray eyes swept the room, landing first on Harry. His gaze slowed, lingering on him, and then shifted to meet Hermione's. He gave her a slow smile and nodded towards the bar, letting her know he was getting a drink. He's finally back, then, said Harry. Hermione shot him a questioning look, and he carried on. I probably should have sent someone out with him this afternoon. Didn't think that potion smuggler would have that much inventory to log. From Hermione's other side, Ron and Padman disappeared together. A common occurrence for the two of them, when the drinks were flowing. When Draco got to the table, a bottle of suspiciously expensive-looking fire whiskey and three tumblers in his hands, he slid into Padma's empty seat next to Hermione. Potter? Draco said with a nod to Harry, at her other side. Granger, he continued with a wicked glint to his eye. He poured three glasses of the fire whiskey, sliding one across the table to Harry and handing one to Hermione. He raised his glass to them both. Happy birthday. The three of them drank deeply. The fire whiskey was much nicer than the regular stuff and slid smoothly down Hermione's throat, leaving a delicious burning behind. Fuck, Malfoy. Bringing out the good stuff. Harry laughed his hand squeezing Hermione's and making her mind go momentarily blank. 
To make matters worse, Malfoy shifted next to her, his long, muscled thigh pressing against hers, as he leaned over to top up Harry's glass. Hermione wasn't sure if the fuzziness in her head was from the fire whiskey, or the two boys flanking her. Any excuse to get a pair of Gryffindors drunk, Malfoy said with a smirk. You do both make good entertainment when inebriated, he added with a glint in his eyes that suggested the evening was only just beginning. It ended up being a late night. They didn't leave the pub until after Tom rang the bell for last orders several times over. Draco insisted Hermione finish the rest of the vintage old Ogden's he'd bought. Harry hugged her long and hard and let his lips brush against her cheek in goodbye, and Hermione finally stumbled through the flue and into her bedroom. She was already down to her underwear, and halfway through pulling on one of Harry's old Gryffindor Quidditch jerseys she'd stolen to sleep in, that she noticed it. On her ribcage, on her left-hand side. It looked like she had spilled ink over herself, and the ink had spattered into a beautiful pattern. When she ran her hand over it, the marks were raised, like tiny scars on her skin, and didn't smudge under her fingertips. Frowning now, Hermione tossed the jersey back on the bed and turned to her floor-length mirror, standing close so she could get a good view. It wasn't spilled ink, but there were marks on her skin. Thin black lines, two distinct shapes. One of them was a jagged lightning bolt, the exact same shape Hermione had spent ten years looking at on the forehead of her best friend. The other was a series of stars she recognized from years of astronomy lessons, the dragon of the skies, the constellation Draco. With trembling fingers, she traced the marks again. She vaguely remembered reading something about magical marks appearing at the start of adulthood, back in the Hogwarts library in eighth year. But when she tried to focus in on the information, her head hurt horribly, her stomach feeling suddenly heavier, and not just because of the copious amounts of wine and fire whiskey she'd drunk. Hermione spun away from the mirror and hurriedly pulled on her jersey and climbed into bed. Crookshanks jumped up with her, nuzzling up to her, and for once letting her wrap her arms tightly around him. It was late. She was drunk. And she was tired. Hermione resolved to go to sleep, hope the marks were a drink-fueled dream, and start again in the morning. It didn't get any better in the morning. The marks were still there, along with a throbbing hangover that even the strongest cup of coffee couldn't cure. Trying her best to ignore both her headache and the glare of disapproval from Crookshanks when he realized their Saturday morning sofa cuddle wasn't going to happen, Hermione pulled on a thick jumper and a hat to protect herself against the chilly September air and took the flu back to the leaky cauldron. It was a quick walk from there to flourish in blocks, and Hermione soon found herself deep in the stacks. Normally, she'd let herself get lost among the books, emerging hours later with a new pile to buy, but not today. Today, she knew exactly what she was looking for, paid for it quickly, not meeting the bookseller's eye, and scurried off towards home once again. Hermione was almost back at the leaky cauldron, eyes downcast to avoid anyone she might know, when she barreled into a hard, tall object with a disturbingly familiar scent. Landing heavily on her bum on the ground, Hermione groaned and went to push herself back up. A hand appeared in front of her, and looking up, she saw the unmistakable flash of silver eyes of the man whose namesake was now rather inconveniently tattooed onto her skin. Granger, Malfoy drawled, closing the gap between their hands and grasping her wrist to pull her to her feet. How is my little lioness this morning? A part of Hermione's mind went limp at the endearment, but she managed a weak scowl, instantly wincing as the movement exacerbated her hangover headache. Malfoy nodded, his eyes sympathetic, and slowly pulled his hand from hers, leaving behind the memory of his touch on her skin. Not surprised you're feeling rough. We got through a lot of fire whiskey last night. The vintage stuff is potent. 
Draco rummaged in his robe pocket, eventually pulling out a tiny vial of dark blue liquid. Here, this will help. Hangover potion, one of my own creations. It's the only thing that got me to Diagonale this morning. He finished with a rueful grin, and Hermione finally noticed the violet shadows beneath his eyes, the slight pallor to his already pale skin. She plucked the vial from his fingers, unstoppering it and swallowing the contents without hesitation. There had been a time when Hermione would never have dreamed of drinking any potion Malfoy gave her, but after three years of watching him train with Harry, qualify as an auror, and work hard to redeem his reputation, that time had passed. Instantly, her head started to clear, and she breathed a sigh of relief, clutching the paper bag with her book close to her chest. Thank you. Why are you even here today? He gave her a considered look. I had to get some potion supplies from the apothecary, he explained, holding up a bag of ingredients. I need to brew my mother some potions this weekend. His eyes flickered down to the bag she held, but he didn't question her. If you're done, would you like to get some lunch? There's a new place opened by Fortescue's that's supposed to be good. Hermione stared at him blankly for a moment too long. He shifted uncomfortably from one foot to the other. It's, it's fine if you don't want... I mean, I understand not wanting to be seen with... Malfoy, no, it's not that, she interrupted him before he could finish. It's just, I'm tired. I think I need to go home and have a nap. Maybe next time? He nodded slowly, a fleeting emotion chasing across his eyes. Disappointment? Relief? Before his expression became guarded once more in that familiar way. Of course, Granger, he said softly. Next time. With a sweep of his robes, Malfoy disappeared into the crowds of the alley, and Hermione hurried into the leaky cauldron, and headed straight for the flu, trying not to dwell on the way her skin had burned when he touched her, or the way her heart ached when she turned down his lunch invitation. Safely ensconced behind her walls, Crookshanks finally curled up on her lap. Hermione took a sip of her tea and opened her brand new copy of Magical Soulmates by Engelbert Hockley. She turned the pages quickly, stopping at the chapter on soul marks, reading so fast she could soon feel a stress headache taking over the lingering remnants of her fire whiskey headache. On very rare occasions, on the anniversary of the twenty-first year of birth, witches or wizards who were bound to another's soul would find a mark on their skin, like a tattoo, guiding them towards the witch or wizard their magic was destined to be entwined with. The book went on to explain how, even before the soul marks appeared, there would be a spark of attraction between the pair. When the first partner gained their marks, the dormant attraction would start to awaken if a relationship wasn't already in place. There was nothing in the book about having double soul marks, but the meanings were unmistakable. Hermione had two soulmates, her oldest friend and her oldest enemy. If her theory was right, then when Draco turned 21 in June, nine months from now, he would find a similar set of soul marks etched on his skin, and then Harry would have the same revelation another month and a half after that. Hermione buried her face in Crookshank's fur to stop herself from crying. There was only one thing for it. Hermione was going to have to keep this secret until June. ETL Echo Echoing Tales of Enemies to Lovers